problem Game in the they see me as a problem Some of you know how we make no keep the problem I give them a cure with a fresh new album I'm a rider, provider Bring the heat, girl, I will bring the fire Yo, welcome back everybody. This is your host, Neogentrix, and this is Food for Thought, Thoughts If It Were You. It's another typical day, a brand new Tuesday, if you will, at 3 in the morning as I'm recording this. We've been covering a lot of different topics, issues, and such over the last couple of years. And like I did promise, I said I was going to come back with a vengeance and record even more and give you guys the content that you so rightly deserve and or need there's a lot of topics i'm going to cover but we're going to keep going through all the mediocre and major type skills that while everyone nowadays thinks is common sense most of it isn't and a lot of people don't know about it or they need to know about it so sit back relax today's topic is mediation skills last time we covered this in a little bit of detail regarding other topics but today we're going to focus a little bit more on it as it is currently relevant now as you already know mediation is the involvement of an impartial third party to support and help those involved in a conflict as well as find some type of resolution to whatever the said problem is the key difference here being that between negotiation and and mediation there's a little bit of negotiation as i've mentioned before the parties involved have to work out their own agreement and the whole point of a mediator is so that they don't have to uh, submit to one side or the other they're a neutral third party okay and they came to basically help out with the agreement that's what a mediator is okay mediation whether it's formal or informal as I mentioned before can also and very often more than not solve conflicts that have gone awry uh, and help begin the first stage of negotiation. So we're going to focus in on that. Um, and then we're going to zone in next time on peer negotiation. So today we're going to, I'm sorry, peer uh, mediation, which is a little bit different. But we're going to just focus on the t- main topic today of just mediation skills. All right. With that being said, I want to go ahead and point out the characteristics of mediation, okay? The key aspect of mediation is that the mediator does not, and I repeat, does not sort things out, okay? He also doesn't make any decisions for the parties involved whatsoever, okay? His or her or it, we, she, him, or they, whatever you identify as nowadays, helps both the parties involved work together okay to develop their own agreement their own solution okay so that there's no back and forth he said she said something okay what this involves is voluntary participation face-to-face discussions between both the parties in the conflict um that being said the mediator has to be biased unbiased i'm sorry unbiased Without any decision-making power, who um, has no power whatsoever, 
to help those involved, but whose main point is to help them understand each other's points so that they can come to an agreement. Okay, If your mediator is biased, it's time to find another one. He has to be unbiased. He can't pick one side or the other. Also, in mediation, equal opportunity for both participants to speak and explain their perspective of the current problem is required. All the relevant information, no matter how big or small, must be shared in order for this to work. Okay, It's basically a shared agreement between both parties. Once that mutual agreement has been uh, come to fruition, although there are many trained mediators uh, to work to help resolve conflicts, anyone, and I mean anyone, can act as a mediator, whether in a disagreement between colleagues or to bring two quarreling friends or neighbors together to solve whatever problem they have. Okay? So, that's the basic gist of it. Let's go ahead and dive into the mediation process. Let's go ahead and dive into the mediation process, okay? Although every conflict and every mediation process will be a slightly different, there are a number of steps which you will need to consider in every case and points to take into account when setting up uh, to help mediate between two different parties. The first thing being preparation, okay? You will need to lay out the ground rules for the mediation process first. There's a reason for this. Otherwise, this whole thing will be a giant mess of he said, she said, and everyone talking over each other and try to cut each other off just when they don't like or want to hear what the other person has to say, even if what the other person has to say is important or relevant to the current issue at hand, or maybe the reason why the whole discussion is happening in the first place. So, usually some basic rules of communication and confidentiality will be essential but there may also be other pertinents, uh, others that are pertinent to the situation in hand. For example, uh, you may, uh, let's see, how do I put this? You may want to set out there that the only one person talks at a time. Like I mentioned earlier, um, it could cause a lot of issues. The others have to listen in silence there, uh, and that there is to be no verbal abuse at any time. That at all um, if that happens, uh, the whole thing stops until everyone calms down again, first off, and that whatever happens remains confidential unless both parties agree to speak about what it said in that room outside of the mediation room. You may also wish to set out the mediation role, uh, mediator's role. First off, that you are to be impartial. You are to help the parties reach their solution, not solve their problem. Also, to protect the parties from each other, if necessary, should something go wrong, as mentioned earlier. Okay, you should also consider whether you should have separate meetings with each party to develop a better understanding of the issues before mediating a joint meeting between them. I would actually recommend this because you can't mediate between both parties if you don't know what's wrong with both parties. You would have to hear everything out, and this would take longer. Plus, try to put them in both rooms where they list out their issues and problems. And then constantly yelling at each other when they don't agree with what the other person says makes it hard. Uh, so, definitely do that. 
Step two, reconstructing and understanding the conflict, meaning your task at this stage, once we get to stage two, however long that takes, um, is to listen to the participants' stories, whether together or separately, you know, depending on how overly zealous and anxious they are, to clarify what they want to achieve from this entire process. If you are meeting both parties together, it's helpful that you can summarize the main points of the conflict in a neutral way that both can understand upon what's going on and propose an agenda for the discussion. Okay? An order in which issues should be discussed or handled. It can be anything helpful at this stage, you know, to name the emotions uh, that participants are feeling as well. Uh, as This also helps to show that they have been recognized, they are understood, and we are working to solve the problem. Okay? Third, defining points of agreement and dispute. Okay? This one's very big. This is where it starts to get interesting and where you need to be careful what you say. During this stage, if, if you make it to stage three, hopefully by now you have. Right? During this stage, your role is to help the participants move towards a position... Uh, where they start to understand each other's point of view and then begin to resolve a shared problem. <sighs> I don't know why I have to stress this part, but it seems no matter how many times I tell people this, they go to try to solve the main and last points rather than the shared problems first. The reason why I say share, do the shared problems first is it helps them Come to an agreement on smaller things to get them out of the way so you can focus on the main topic at hand, unless the main topic at hand is the biggest shared issue. Now, one way to do this uh, is to think of it as moving from a focus on the past to one on the future. It can also be helpful to use paraphrasing and summaries in neutral terms to help the participants identify areas of agreement and to check on their understanding. Hopefully they can understand Anyway, it's extremely powerful to reflect feelings back at the participants as it shows both that they have been heard and that you understand. Don't be afraid. Key thing here. Don't be afraid to break for coffee or walk outside or even uh, uh, make an adjournment for another day. If you think things are getting a bit heated, out of hand, let's just put it this way. Sometimes... As childish as this is going to sound, a timeout is a very valuable reflection of opportunity for everyone. Sometimes everyone needs a bit of a timeout period. Whether it's because everyone's heated, no one can come to terms, or no one can get anything in or out or word-wise. You know, they start arguing or whatever again. Okay, cool. So, number four. Let's start with creating options for agreement, now that we've made it this far, okay? A useful starting point, uh, point for this stage is to basically identify the simplest area or the one on which there is the most agreement and to suggest uh, resolving that section first. It's basically a quick win if you want to look at it that way. Useful techniques for developing options include brainstorming, 
thinking at this stage is definitely important. I don't know how much stress I had to put on that. Anyway, anything goes at this point. Let's put it this way. You then need to help the participants to develop uh, an evaluation criteria, which should ideally be uh, objective and in order of importance, okay? Your role here is cheaply to make sure that all participants are equally involved in generating options and developing evaluation criteria, things for them to consider and to vote upon that they either agree on or that they think would be a good idea, and that they cover all the parts of the problem in the process. Make sure that you're reflecting their opinions and not your own. Remember, you're supposed to be unbiased. You can't throw your point of view into this at all. The only time is if they ask. However, I would recommend not doing this. You can also point out linkages between the uh, options or their problems that prevent it from being viable. This is not a bad thing, though it may make them a bit irritated, so use with caution. But once the options have been evaluated, you'll need to guide them to a single solution that will suit all parties and help them to fine-tune it if it is necessary. And with the process of that, we reach step five, developing and agreement. Okay? Like the objectives, an agreement should be smart. Uh, well, smart is an anagram, more or less, for... It needs to be specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. It has to make sense. It has to be actually doable. You can help the participants achieve this by doing the following. These are not optional. Now, you can, may or may not be, depending on your circumstance, but for the most part, you want to do all of these. Writing down the proposal in a neutral language, reading it back to them. Then write down the individual points so that they are clear and understood by everybody. Clarifying any general or vague points, for example, by asking the participants to agree concrete behavioral changes with the deadlines for achievement that are necessary. Also, avoid legalistic language and keep everything simple. It doesn't matter how legal it is. It doesn't matter if you're a lawyer or a liar. You want to keep it simple. Okay? You need to summarize the progress and next steps included uh, including setting a deadline for any future meetings and identifying any remaining areas of difficulty and options for the resolution you have to do this otherwise it doesn't make any sense by being positive about the progression and uh, the fact that everyone has remained engaged by this point means that you're doing well also, continue to offer your continued support as the mediator if required, ensuring that both parties sign the agreement then and there and close the meeting once the agreement has been reached so that no other issues arise, okay? This is very important. everybody that should be it for mediation skills i mean when you think about it mediator uh, skilled mediators need you know they need to be able to have active listening skills otherwise this doesn't really make any sense i mean there's a range of skills they need but active listening is the first thing 
Next, they need to be able to question and clarify any facts or information needed about the controversy. So clarifying skills, questioning skills, definitely pluses to have, okay? They also need to have emotional intelligence. They need to be able to understand emotions. They need summarizing skills to set out the main points of controversy and underline the, uh, the emotions involved, and also to help the particip- participants to reframe issues so that they're less emotive and more logical so they can think straight. Also, they need empathy. It's very important because it helps each party to stand in each other's shoes and understand how each other feels. That's the whole point of this entire channel. Food for thought. Thoughts if it were you. How would you feel if you were in their shoes? I am basically a mediator. Okay? This is the only reason why I started this podcast is because I am a mediator. This is what I do. This is how I... I guess you could say, in a way, this is how most mediators get their kicks. Except for me, it's basically my way of helping other people solve their problems indirectly without being involved. Do I care about you or do I care about your problems? Yes. But do I have the time to listen to every single person's problem? No. Unfortunately, I do not. What I can do is teach you how to solve your own problems so that you can move forward in life easier. Okay? And perhaps the most importantly important thing, a mediator must not take sides or be seen to be acting unfairly. This is something that a lot of people, I find... Uh, can't help but do. If you're an emotional person, the only way you can be a mediator is if you find a way to, and I quote, seal your emotions. Because once you start becoming emotional, you're no longer qualified to be a mediator. Because now you're going to start taking sides. Whether you take uh, one party side or the other, or you side against them, this is going to hurt the whole negotiation process. Okay? You'll therefore need to be able to acknowledge points made by both parties with this, okay? And spend equal amount of time with each person or on their issues specifically, right? It's never going to help to point out that someone is being unreasonable, but you can help them take a reality check by asking what they would consider a reasonable outcome to be and then asking whether they think the other party would agree with that outcome. And if not why that is okay finally (sighs) gotta take a breather this is a lot of information that i know and i'm really sorry but i mean if you really want to be a mediator this is important plus i know i talk fast so (laughs) i do apologize but if you're still here even now then obviously i'm doing something right right all right everybody so and finally okay Although, how do I want to put this? Let's just say, a little humility is always a good thing. (laughs) It's never a bad thing, but um, too much of it maybe, but not enough of it is bad. So, let's put it this way. It's important to remember that mediation might not always work, and it's not always the fault of the mediator if it doesn't. Sometimes people just can't be brought to agree or they're just really entitled. You know, we've gone over this before. For example, if participants do not come ready to find a shared solution, it's going to be difficult to mediate one, especially if they're cross-cultural disputes. You know, they're always going to be hard to mediate because what is acceptable in one behavior or culture may not totally be accepted in another. You know, and 
a good meteor will always try to be aware of what else is going on trying to understand any hidden agendas barriers uh, and such to make an accept acceptable or effective problem solving case an effective mediator will always at the same time be able to distance themselves from the problem like i said once you start becoming emotional or you can become tied in or biased that's when the whole thing will break down because it's your job to keep them separated long enough for them to see the problems and the errors of their ways with the problem at hand so that they come up with a solution on their own okay again i said and i'm gonna say it again the role of the mediator is to help others resolve their problems in a mutual or mutually agreeable way without getting bogged down in the problem themselves it's not your job to become part of the problem and it's your job to help them solve the problem okay it's as simple as that ah man that's a lot of information i mean it's not as a lot as some of the stuff i've covered in the past but for lack there of a better word it's still a lot so with that being said everybody this is food for thought thoughts if it were you i'm your host neogentrix and that was mediation skills i hope you guys have a great rest of your day i hope your thanksgiving was great and uh, i'll see you later on this week enjoy